system works is because we all play our roles. We each tell a story, and the jury decide which story is the one they believe. It's not emotional for me, it's the game. It's the game of law. And as with any game, there are winners and there are those who come in second. But the question is, is it just? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I am Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can find us on most social media platforms and YouTube with the handle at foreverfanpod. We are your hosts and we're glad you can join us. Yeah, and you know, we're going to give you a bunch of warnings because this time we are going to be covering an extraordinarily serious uh, one-woman show that's currently on Broadway, uh, Prima Facie. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think that's how we are supposed to pronounce it. I'm just going to apologize in advance because I have no legal jargon background. background. (laughs) Ask me psychology stuff, I can pronounce it. This I'm very inexperienced with. And actually, due to popular demand, this 10-week limited Broadway run was extended for two weeks through Sunday, July 2nd. So, you know, this one-woman play delves into the law and sexual assault. And our discussion might touch on topics that will be triggering for some of our listeners. So if that is the case for you, please skip to another episode. Um, Again, after our banter, we will be discussing serious topics from the Broadway play Prima Facie. How are you holding up? It's going to be a hard episode yeah. for me. Yes. And while difficult, I think that it is necessary. Um, and we need to have this conversation in order for you know change to take place. Um, yeah, I just ask for a little bit of patience as we discuss everything, because there might be times I need to pause. And that's fine. Okay. Um, and so as our banter music is coming to an end... Spoiler as well as trigger warnings are in effect from this moment on as we start our discussion. That was the shortest banter we have ever had. Yes. Okay, so here's the uh, summary from their official website. Tessa is a young, brilliant barrister. She has worked her way up from working class origins to be the top of her game, defending, cross-examining, and winning. An unexpected event forces her to confront the lines where the patriarchal power of the law burden of proof, and morals diverge. Prima facie takes us to the heart of where emotion and experience collide with the rules of the game. Yes, so the story centers around Tesla Enzer, and Ensler, excuse me, and as the play opens, she describes how she defends men who are accused of sexual assault. She is confident, ambitious, and from our intro, thinks of the law as a game, a game that she is always winning. That changes when she dates her co-worker, Julian, who seems like a, at the time, compatible mate. Yeah. They continue the relationship for a while, and one night after their date, when Tessa is very drunk, he takes advantage of her. She tells him no, but he goes ahead and sexually assaults her in her own apartment. 782 days later, it is her day in court, but now the tables are turned. She is on the witness stand as she sued Julian for what he did to her. So, unfortunately, as other men before Julian, he is found not guilty as Tessa's own, I guess, strategies were were used against her. 
And Tessa's closest friends and her mom are in the courtroom with her, supporting her. And even though she knew she wasn't going to win the case, quote, a weight has been lifted because even though she's broken, she is still here and she will not be silenced, end quote. Yeah. So, shall we talk about the good and the themes? I mean, I think the first thing that we need to... I mean, the elephant in the room, Jodie Comer. Well, she is phenomenal in this. I don't have great vision, even though I've had LASIK, you know, it's starting to age and all Mm. that. So we were sitting pretty far back in orchestra, center, but pretty far back. Mm. And even as far back as we were with my contacts and whatnot, the emotion rolling off her, you know, forget, you know, just take aside her performance. Okay. And, and I'll roll back a little bit. Mm. The fact that she moves Every piece of furniture around the stage, she's like the energizer bunny on stage, constantly going, going, going. For a hundred minutes. While she's doing that, she's giving you background and information you need to go forward. And her emotion is just oozing off of the stage and it rolls over you like waves of an ocean. And sometimes it, it almost drowns you in this powerful... Like tear jerking, heartbreaking monologues, I guess. Mm. But just her words just overwhelm you. And then all of a sudden, it's like she's your life preserver lifting you so that you can breathe. Yeah. It's just, she is, oh, I'm, I'm very torn because I, I think she is the shoe in for the Tony, in my opinion. But in the same token, I then go to Jessica Chastain, who also brought a, a very powerful performance as in well. In the Dolls House, yeah. I think these two women are stellar in their field, and it's a shame that both can't win. Um, but since we're talking about uh, Prima Facie, I really, I can't imagine another actress in this role at all. I, I can't. Yeah. And I bought the, the script, right? They're, they're selling merchandise at Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I went a little hog wild with it. And, you know, just reading the play and seeing the stage um, commentary, right? The directions, yeah. you mean? The directions, yes, thank you. And just thinking about what Jodie Comer has to go through and, you know, making it into her own, right? There's going to be a little bit of difference from what's on paper versus what she does on stage. Of course. And then to think that she's doing this eight shows a week. And the emotional toll. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, there's a sequence where she's eating, based on images I've seen on Twitter, I believe they're salt and vinegar chips. Mm. And she takes like a bite or two and then throws the bag. And people have laughed. They're like, I got hit by chips by Jodie Comer. (laughs) It's a badge of honor. It is a badge of honor, I guess, for them. But it also is a way for them to, you know how when you're in a very uh, emotional situation, Mm -hmm. you kind of have, you hold on to humor to get through things. And Mm -hmm. it's a very natural thing. So seeing that is, is amusing, but there's just... Um, I, I can't even fathom because based on the trailers and, and when it's close up again, we were for really far back, mm-hmm. you know, people say she cries at key points. And I'm like, I, I can't imagine having to get into that then, especially in days where you have to do it twice. Yeah. Which I believe is Saturday and Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. That's so just, that's the Broadway schedule. So you have a matinee and then yes, there might be like an hour or two in between, but then you have to do it again. Maybe there's more than an hour or two. Depending. Like about three hours Yeah, because it's, so. it's not a musical. It's mm-hmm. a play. So it's it's 100 minutes. Yeah. But it's just a lot. And then she is very gracious with her time after the play yeah. 
to me, it's very short, but she does take time to really sign, you know, the playbills. Some people, you know, the the night that I was there, there was someone from um, Singapore, I think, mm-hmm. who flew 19 hours, you know. And just had to a, see the play. Just to see the play. Yeah. She had a sign, and Jody actually said, oh, thank you. So, you know, she was interacting. She she doesn't sign an overwhelming a lot every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, she basically goes, I, I mean, when we were there, I was reaching behind me and getting mm-hmm. playbills and bringing them forward because, I mean, it's at least 20 people deep on both sides of yeah. the barricades. Yeah. And I was leaning forward, and she watched me do it. She looked up and saw me doing it and then just stood there, and everyone I brought to her, she signed. Yeah. I think I maybe had anywhere from four to six and then she stopped. Yeah. It seems like she is as, as invested in it as it appears to be, if yeah. that makes sense. Because, you yeah. know, sometimes somebody will be, it'll look like they're invested in something, but they're not really. Right. She's all in. Yeah. And I mean, the, you know, the production behind this is is also making sure that as many people can see this, right? They have lottery. The fact that they have a lottery is a lot. For lie. $10. Yeah. For 10 seats each performance. Yeah. And then they also have rush tickets for mm-hmm. 45 each. They're trying to make it accessible. Yeah. This is going to sound so weird, but it felt to me, and, and it, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails and forgive me for bringing another show in, but we did see another show that bothered me greatly that I cried at. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mention the title, but it did handle something, in my opinion, so poorly that it bothered me and it triggered me and it made it very difficult. And it was triggered you in a bad way, in a very negative way. And it really was one of the most lauded musicals at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I remember sitting with you going, I hate this. I saw this person shouldn't be doing like, I literally remember sitting and telling you these people are not redeemable from a psychological perspective. Yeah. I really struggled to like any character in the entire musical. And here I am supposed to be appreciating them and feeling their emotion. And again, I know I'm in the minority here, but it was very difficult for me. And I got very, again, I I cried a great deal before um, intermission. Mm -hmm. And then after intermission, I was very cold to it. I was shut off. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most difficult play or musical I've ever seen. It broke me, but it, it handled it so well that although it, it hurt and it was triggering, it was necessary and it was handled with such respect and such truth that I'm still processing what I saw. I'm still processing and trying to understand because I, it felt like it handed me all this information and opened up things that you don't want to think about. Yeah. And and you and I were talking about it for the entire rest of the weekend. Yeah. We couldn't stop talking about it. And uh, the next night, actually, the day we saw it was the last day of previews, and the next night was opening night. So we yeah. then went ahead and, and we, we watched uh, all the celebrities go in and saw Bernadette Peters. So my little uh, Broadway geek heart was like, ee! Mm-hmm. Um, Susie Miller. I mean, she was uniquely qualified to write this, right? Because she was a lawyer before she was a playwright. Yeah. And understood that the law in this case is broken. The way I was raised to believe in law is that it was a breathing organism and that it adapts and grows and changes with society. It and should. It should. And I'm going to, if it's okay with you, uh, go into a theme uh-huh. because what I'm thinking kind of transfers right into it. And it's the, the opening curtain when you sit down. There's a neon sign and it's Lady Justice and the yeah. scales are tipped 
to one side and she's holding a sword and it's all in blue except for her blindfold, blindfold which is in pink. Yep. And for me, and I, I leaned over to you and, I, and I, I, I texted a friend of mine and she gave me a completely different perception of the picture I sent her. Yeah. But for me, knowing what's happening in the law right now and how women are being, we're basically being lowered to second class citizens and the rate we're going, women are not going to have any rights if, and I'm going to say it bluntly, if the GOP and the fascists that work within it continue to have power and justices working with them, there's going to be no equality. So seeing this neon sign, all I saw was justice is being weaponized against women and it's blind to our plight because it's only run by men. Yeah. Right now, men are in the power making the decisions. And I'm not going to say all men. The men that are the problem, unfortunately, outnumber the men that are helpful. Right. And because they are in power, they're the ones steering the ship. Yeah. So, and when you first told me that, it really hit me because I was just staring at this going, huh. Yeah, I was still trying to form how I felt about it. And when you told me that, it just knocked me over the head like a sledgehammer. I think I'm also a little more sensitive to the subject. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I sent it to a friend of mine and she said it looked like um, Lady Justice was going to be a bad and she was about to fight back. And I could totally see that too. I could see how it's both sides. But this is just where the little details are so good. Yeah. Because just because Lady Justice right now might be a victim doesn't mean she can't fight back because our voices can be heard. Our voices can rise up like a sword and smite down the evils. Yeah. There is a mosaic of a lot of women. Of prima faces. Of prima faces. It's not just women. Oh, I didn't realize that. There's men in there too. And I I also don't want to be gender specific. There are tons of folks in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that represent the gamut of those who have been assaulted. Yeah, and it's just, when you think about it, it's just very mind-boggling. It shouldn't be. We're going to have a link in our show notes page where they're going to have, um, we can go to the official um, plays website, Mm -hmm. and they actually give you the details of like one in three and how many have happened and how often it happens. The numbers are ridiculously mind-boggling. Yeah. You know it's prevalent, you know it's a problem, but when you see the numbers, and again, this is what the the play does, they lay things out for you where you don't feel like you're beaten over the head with it, but you feel like you're educated. And it's done in a way where you feel it, you sense it, you process it. Yeah. This stays with you. Yeah. I mean, the the title itself, right? Prima Prima. prima facie. Prima facie. What does it exactly mean? It, uh, according to the script, it actually is a law term that says that means on the face of it. And in the play, right, one of the one of the mottos is actually on the face of it, things have to change. Yeah, everything just comes full circle. Everything is so tied together so well, and the message is just that powerful. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn everybody I'm going to cry because themes are a lot. Yeah. The look to your left and look to your right. That was hard for me. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing because she starts off discussing being in school, right? And she says, look to your left, look to your right. You know, one of those people are not going to be there, blah, 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 blah. And then basically 
the person to her right, I believe it's Amy or Mia. Or Mia. Mia. Mm-hmm. They be, they end up being best friends, but Mia is the one who left. Yes. Not her, not Tessa, and not Julian. And then at the end, she says, look to your left, look to your right. One of those people next to you or you will be the victim of sexual assault. And it's this twist and it's very hard because you've been raised to believe that your competition is on your left and your right. And let's be honest, who wants to be competition in this regard? And then it struck me. I'm looking at you and I'm looking at the woman next to me and I'm the one in three. Yeah. What I wanted to say was that the two people are there to support you too. Uh, yeah, but um, the lines and the dialogue, you don't, you don't think about them when you're hearing them and you're seeing them. And then uh, at the end, there's, uh, oh gosh, when the house lights come up ever so slightly and she's talking to the audience. Yeah. And it kind of gave me like, okay, she's going to win. She's going to win this. In the light of day, you see the truth. When you're illuminated, you see the truth, you hear the truth. But when you're kept in the dark and you're not given the information you need to learn. So like when you're banning books instead of banning guns, you know, that in itself keeps people in the dark. And that is very symbolic because then she loses. Yeah. Because look, these cases aren't easy. They're not. And yes, I'm not going to lie. We all know there's a very, very slim percentage of false reports. But there are false reports. I'm not saying there are not. But when those women do come forward and have the strength to face their attackers, those that have really gone through this will stand the test of time. We do have a way of remembering specific things. And and that's another um, legal aspect that she brings up. Trauma isn't linear. Trauma memory is not linear. You don't go, okay, I showed up to the store and at this time I was there and then I went here and then I went here and I was wearing this and this is when I kicked my shoes off and this is when I had this drink. You don't remember that. No, you remember exactly what maybe was the most salient thing that, that happened. Like, you know, for me, the closest thing that I can relate to is from 9-11. I remember that it was a Tuesday because I went to go vote. And I remember looking at the sky thinking, wow, that's such a beautiful blue sky. And it's going to be a gorgeous day. Yeah. And then it wasn't. But do I remember what happened right before or right after? I remember right after that there's several different things that happened. And I can tell you that I went to like the grocery store because I wanted to get some supplies and seeing that everybody was all... You know, discombobulated and high, you know, very high strung, that it was just chaos. And then I, I knew that I couldn't get a hold of you, but I don't know exactly every thing that happened for, for each of those moments, each of those hours. You remember snippets throughout and yeah. you piece them together. Yeah. And in this play, it's the same thing. And I think Tessa says it best. The periphery is blurry. Yeah. And she even goes that it dawns on her while she's sitting there on trial. On the stand, yeah. That, or on trial, you're right, on, on the witness stand, that 
Julian must not have had as much to drink or had a problem like she did because he literally carried her to the bed. He didn't stumble. He didn't trip. She was vomiting and stumbling and everything else. And they had the exact same drink. Like they both ate at the same place. She's running through her head of all the things that they did that they're bringing up now and she's like, wait, but if he if he carried her to the bed, which she remembered because it's a moment, yeah. he was not drunk, which meant he deliberately did it. Right. There was intent there. And that hits her hard. And she even says when the she's being cross-examined that everything becomes blurry and everything is getting discompobulated because for her, and again, I believe when the lights come up, she's trying to explain this, trauma isn't linear. You don't remember this in, in order. Right. The one moment that really hit me was when she finally remembered when it clicked in her brain that Julian must have had both of her hands in one of his and then the other hand was stifling her mouth so that she couldn't scream. Yeah. And just that visual. And the cross-examination going, you sure it wasn't your hand over your mouth? Yeah. It was just... Questioning everything and, and spinning it and it was painful. Yeah. And another legal aspect theme that I liked was that trauma makes people do things that they know aren't right. Yeah. Like she even says she showered. She like burned her skin to get the feeling off her. She changed her clothes. She left everything in her apartment and left. Yep. Because she wanted to get away from it. But she was destroying evidence that could have helped her. But she was in the moment of absolute trauma and pain. And when you're in that moment... You don't think rationally, you know, but she did have a rational enough thought to go to the precinct. But even her quick reporting doesn't take the stigma away from her when she goes and she's standing um, on the the witness stand and they're attacking her. What were you wearing? What were you drinking? Maybe it it doesn't stop it. Even though she was quick to report it, which is the number one complaint that I've seen when we see things like this come up in the press is that why didn't she report? This yeah. is why. Yeah. Because even if you do quick reporting, well, why didn't you save the dress? I don't know. I was burning him off my flesh. Yeah. And even even with the quick reporting, it took 782 days before her trial. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very complex and difficult thing to discuss. So with that, is there anything else that we want to touch on in the themes? I do want to to say something. The law needs to change. I mean, we know this, but the law needs to see trauma for what it is. It is not this Marvel movie with perfect special effects and it's a cockroach and it pops up when you think the apartment is clean, when you least expect it, breeding behind the walls of shame and denial one builds up to protect oneself from crumbling down on a daily basis. And we need to devise a way for the law to take this into account, not ignore it and make it about past relations, what they were wearing, how much they flirted, what they drank. No, which Tessa adamantly stipulates verbally means no. It doesn't mean maybe or yes. It means by definition, no, yeah. you need to stop. End of discussion. And if a person can't give consent because they're unconscious, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. The answer there is no. You can't give consent. You don't have consent. Exactly. So anyway, um, with that, I think we can go on to the bad. And 
as one might expect, this is a very difficult play to watch. You will need tissues. Uh, it will stay with you, as Kimberly said, because it is just it is just that powerful. Yeah, uh, and and obviously um, there really is no cute for obvious reasons. Yeah, so I think that that will end our discussion of prima facie. Mm-hmm. So now it is time for our forever fangirls rating. A drum roll, please. We rate Prima Facie five stars, and we agree on this rating. I wish I could say something profound here, but I can't. This play is going to weasel into your chest, and it's going to sit there, and it's going to fester, and it's going to grow, and it's going to make you think. And it's going to make you think of things in your past that you might have locked away. It's going to make you think of things of the future and how you could change it. You could work towards changing it. It's going to make you see how powerful words are and how you can't just throw them about. The show literally lays out for you everything that is wrong with the law in regards to sexual assault. But if this play does one thing, may it shine a little light so that people know they're not alone. Yes, and I hope that this play is actually the catalyst that will help bring about change. Because it's, it's these types of plays that do shine a light on it and, and help show you a different way of looking at things. And that is very important. That's why the arts are important. And so with that, if you are able to see the show in New York, we really highly recommend it because, you know, with everything that we've said here, it's a very powerful play. And so we already mentioned that there are 10 $10 lottery seats for every performance and rush tickets that are available for 45 So... The producers of this play really want this to be very accessible to people. So with that, if you know someone who has been sexually assaulted, there are resources available if you need support. And we will link those uh, resources on our show notes page. Yeah, I'm actually going to uh, link the uh, play's website. They have a very extensive list, so I'm going to link directly to that. And that is going to be our show. I know this was hard for me to get through. The play was very hard for me. Um, But I think this was an important one to cover. So thank you so much for joining us and for hearing our voices. And if you have seen uh, Prima Facie, we would love to hear from you and what you thought of the play. And as always, if you want to leave us a message, you can uh, reach out on any of our socials. Uh, at Forever Fan Pod. And if you're listening to this on your smartphone, please subscribe, like, review, all of those fun things because really and truly it helps us keep going with the podcast. And until next time, stay safe. Be kind and remember, one in three women will be sexually assaulted. Look to your left. Look to your right. You might know someone or be the survivor yourself. Just know that you're not alone. We see you. 
We hear you and we support you.